On this episode of Awaken to Grace, we come to a great finale. We come to the conclusion of our study of the entire book of Revelation. Friends, we have walked through this book chapter by chapter, verse by verse, phrase for phrase, even sometimes word for word. What a thrilling, exhilarating, and life-changing study this has been. Well, today is the conclusion. We come to the end of chapter 22. I hope that you have been with us through this study. If you have missed part of it, download my free mobile app, Awakened to Grace, or go on our website, awakenedtograce.com. Or if you would love to have a copy of these sermons, well, you can order this entire set of 24 sessions covering, spanning the entire book. Well, what a great study it has been. I'm thrilled to share the ending with you. You know, it's been said by so many Christians, it makes all the difference in the world when we study the end of the book. We literally know how the story ends. I hope you enjoy this last edition of the book of Revelation on today's broadcast of Awakened to Grace. I'll never forget when he showed me 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Why does the Bible say the time is near, but yet it's been over 2,000 years? Listen to what it says. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now look at that. The Lord said, Chad, do you want to know why it's my will for every generation of the church to hope in my coming? To long for my appearing? Because it purifies you. Friends, let me ask you right now. What sin in your life would you walk away from if you really believe? The Lord would come tonight. Who would you ask forgiveness of? If you truly believe Jesus would come tonight. What things would you make right? What bitterness would you let go of? What hurt would you forgive? What things of the past would you change? If you really believe Jesus was coming. What would you do different with your money? What missionaries would you support? What gospel would you invest in? What would you do different if you really believed Jesus was on the cusp of coming? See, it purifies us when we hope in the appearing of Jesus. Amen. You know, the Bible teaches five crowns that can be won. I believe there's many more than that, but the Bible identifies for us five crowns that will be awarded at the Bema judgment seat of Christ to believers. And you know what one of the crowns are? Longing for the coming of Christ. Longing for his appearing. Do you see? And what did we say last week? How dull and how earthy is the mind that never thinks about heaven. That never lives for the coming of Jesus. But they have so many strings attaching them to this world. 
No, my friends, I want to cut every string. I want to long for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read a great book one time by Max Lucado on the coming of Christ. and He gave a great analogy. His daughters who were young at the time, Max had been on an extended preaching trip and he had been out of the country. And he was set to come home on a Friday night. And he had the most remarkable gifts for his little girls. And his wife shared with him that, yes, his girls wanted to see him, but they were so disappointed that he was coming home on a Friday night. Do you know why? Because they had made plans for a sleepover with a friend. And Max said in that book, if my girls knew what awaited them, if they knew the gifts that I had brought for them, they would have longed for my coming. And you know, we're the same way. We get all distracted in this world. We get tied down with things of this world. That there's some of you right now in your hearts, you say, I don't know if I want Jesus to come back. No, my friends, you and I have no idea. What's he said? He's coming with recompense in his hand. He's coming with rewards in his hand. You and I cannot even fathom what it's going to be when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. We are to long for it. Do you long for this world? Or do you long for the coming of Jesus? I want to live for that. Why? Because, Caleb, read verse 2 for me one more time, and then we'll move on. Read what it says. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Now, isn't that interesting? Beloved, who did God call beloved? Jesus, when he was baptized. We're in the same category, amen? Amen. We're the sons and daughters of God. We are the beloved of God. He says, beloved, you're children of God now. But listen, it does not yet appear what you shall be. You know what I think that means? I think that means having the glorified body just as Jesus did. Can I let some of my crazy show for just a minute? I've held a lot of it back during the study because I don't want you to think I'm crazy. But the text is here and it calls for it. So let me just show you some of my crazy right here. Do you know what I believe about eternity? I believe it will be multi-dimensional. Multi-dimensional. See, you and I live in such a limited world. You and I live in a three-dimension universe. Length, width, uh, uh, length, width, and depth. That's all we know. Three dimensions. That's all we know. We're quite limited. When Christ had His glorified body... What kind of, why is it that in John 21, when the disciples are cowarding in a room behind literally a locked door, what did Jesus do? Do you remember? He appeared through the wall. How in the world did he do that? Because he's multidimensional. How is it that when he's eating dinner with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and when their eyes come open, all of a sudden, Jesus vanishes? How could he do that? Multidimensional. How is it that Jesus could eat boiled fish with Peter and then ascend on a cloud up into heaven to be on the right hand of God? How could that? Multidimensional. 
How do angels come and go from this earth into heaven? Multidimensional. Friends, there is a world that you and I have no knowledge of apart from what the Word of God teaches us. And what does it mean when it says that even as He is, so shall we be? Friends, there is more that awaits us than our human brains can even fathom. Anybody pay attention to the news this week? William Shatner got to go into the fringe of space. Anybody pay attention to that? Anybody see how emotional he got thanking Jeff Bezos? I thought he ought to be thanking the creator of all of this, not flipping Jeff Bezos. Friends, there's a world. There is a world to come. We studied the New Jerusalem last week. The Bible teaches that its height, its width is going to be 1,500 miles. But its height is going to be 1,500 miles high. Friends, that's so far above the stratosphere. How is that possible? It's going to be multidimensional. You and I live in a very, very limited physical universe. But not Christ. And not eternity. Well... Let's continue. Revelation 22. Verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, we saw that phrase in chapter 1. What is Alpha and Omega? That is the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. It's no different. We use the same expression in our language today. We say from what? A to Z. That's no different. He's the first and he's the last. He's the beginning. He's the end. Continue. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life (laughs) and that they may enter the city by the gates. Praise God. Those who have washed their robes. Come on. Say amen if you're with me right now. Those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb may have the what? The right. What's this mean? Go back to John chapter 1 verse 12. Jesus came to his own. His own did not receive him, but to as many who did receive him. To them gave he the what? The right. The power. The right to become the sons and daughters of God. Friends, what's this mean? You and I have the legal right to enter heaven's gates because we belong to God. We have right, legal right, because we are the sons and the daughters of God. Amen. Romans chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. To, if we live, we live to Christ. If we die, we die to Christ. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Friends, that means you're the property of Jesus Christ. You belong to God from now and all the way into eternity. And that's why the second death will never harm you. That's why the second death will not recognize you because you are the blood-bought property of Jesus. Amen. So what about you today? Have you washed your robes? 
Have you washed your robes? What's the old song say? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside your garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain it's flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul? Cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments, are they spotless? Are they white as snow? Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Only those that have Robes washed in the blood will have the right to enter the city. Caleb, tell us who is outside the city. Verse 15. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Outside. Outside. Can you even fathom? Can you even fathom that? We saw a similar list in chapter 21. Sorcery, what did we say about that last week? It's witchcraft. It'd be Wiccans, pagans, those who, with palm readings and horoscopes and tarot cards and occultic practices, it's witchcraft, my friends. <coughs> And let me tell you, the Lord hates witchcraft. Let me tell you, I'm so sensitive to it. I cannot even watch or follow Harry Potter. Because it's sorcery, my friends. It's sorcery. And if you follow such things and you have these things in your home, you should heed this scripture. Sorcery will be outside the gates. The sexually immoral, friends. Let me tell you, I sat with, I sat with uh, a leader in our city this week, and he was, last week, and he was sharing with me about how he, well, we were talking about transgender and homosexual issues. We were talking about these things, and he was talking about how he supports the LGBTQ and things like that. And let me tell you, my friends, let, let me just speak to my church. The church today puts LGBTQ over here, but seems to put our sexual sins over here. 
sexual immorality is homosexuality. But it's also Christians who sleep with other people. It's also affairs. Okay? It's also couples who are living together outside the bonds of marriage. Let me tell you, my friends, these are not church issues. These are God's issues. These are not standards that the church has created. These are standards that God has created. And you and I cannot change them. And our government cannot change it. And our culture cannot change it. And the Supreme Court cannot change it. They're so far above their pay grade, it's not even funny. No one can change God's law. No one. And I'm just telling you pastorally, you may walk into this church week after week and you may sing our songs and you may gain out of the messages. You may take notes. Friends, you may open your checkbook and you may tie the generous gifts. But if you're sexually immoral today, you'll find yourself outside that city. And I love you. And that's why I'm telling you. I would heed this scripture. Those who practice falsehood, I'm telling you, listen, my friend, I want you to hear this pastor's heart. Some of you right now, you love falsehood. You lie just to see what you can get away with. You lie just because it's a game to you. Some of you right now are cheating your employer. Some of you right now, you cheat your taxes every single year. Some of you cheat and you cheat and you cheat and you cheat and you love it. And my friends, you'll find yourself outside the gates. Again, what did we say last week? Are these isolated incidences? No, this is a pattern. This is a lifestyle. These are habitual sins. If you've had an affair in the past, you can be forgiven of it. You've committed murder in the past. You can be forgiven of it. You've cheated before in the past. You can be forgiven of it. But if you embrace that sin and it's part of your lifestyle and you live in it day in and day out and it's part of your rhythm, no. You'll find yourself outside that city. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, that shall we also reap, the word says. Now, I've given you the bad news. Now let me give you the great news. When God says that all of these things will be outside the city, do you know what he says? This blows my mind. God who warns us and says that murderers and cheaters and falsehood and and those who sorcery and, and those who sexually immoral, all these things are going to be outside the city. And then look what he says. Read it next for me, Caleb. This is unreal. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen.
Caleb, take me back to the scripture that says, those who are thirsty come, the spirit and the broad say come. Sorry. 17, thank you. The spirit and the bride say come. Let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So look what he says. Sexually immoral sorcery. Liars, falsehood. You're outside the gate right now. But look what Jesus says. You're thirsty today. You're tired of that lifestyle. You're tired of that sin. You're tired of doing things the way on your own. No, Jesus says, come to me. It amazes me that God is so gracious to show us his word and then open it with an invitation. It amazes me that the last remaining verses of the Bible is an invitation to us. To say, come, take the water of life freely. You don't have any money today? You can't make ends meet today? Doesn't matter. Come, take the water of life freely. Come. Isn't that amazing? Friends, have you said yes to the Lordship of Jesus? Have you recognized Him as Savior? And have you recognized Him as absolute Lord of your life? Now, to finish up today, yes, he says, I am the root and the descendant of David. Didn't he tell the, Philist- uh, the, the Pharisees that? How can Christ be a root and yet be a descendant? Isn't that fascinating? He's a descendant of David, Matthew chapter 1. He's out of the line of Mary. Yes, he's a descendant of David, but friends, he's also the root. What's that mean? What did he tell the Pharisees? Before Abraham was, I am. He is the beginning, and he's the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. And how is he coming? He's coming with the recompense in his hand. And what does he say? What's the closing here? He says, behold, I come quickly. Friends, do you believe that today? If you really did, you would walk away from your sin. If you really did. You would repent today. So where's your heart? Will you hear the word? Will you obey the word of God? Will you one day find yourself outside of this city? I hope you won't. I hope you'll pay close attention. Caleb, read the last few verses for me where it says that he is coming quickly. And I'll be, Eric, you can come on and we'll begin to conclude. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. You know how I know John wasn't from southern Israel? Because he would have said, Y'all. He must have been from the north part of Israel. The grace of God be with you. Precious, precious people. The grace of God is here today. Remember what we said about the great white throne judgment in chapter 20, verse 11. There's no grace on that.
there's no grace. But today there's grace. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. How are your robes? That means your lifestyle. Is your lifestyle stained with sin? Would you be so embarrassed should the Lord return right now? Or are they clean? Have they been washed in the blood of the Lamb?